Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show, powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. For our American listeners, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, A day on, not a day off. And before we get to the rest of our topics, where we're going to be talking about Tanner Pearson, uh, the Emmett Oilers will come up. Uh, we'll mention uh, Gino Ogic, uh, the longtime NHL forward who unfortunately passed away over the weekend. And because it's Monday, we will get to ask CJ questions. But uh, we know that, uh, Siege, you're about a, a week. Uh, <laughs> it's been a week since surgery, so we got to do these occasional check-ins with you. How are you feeling? I'm getting better. I'm definitely getting better. I'm doing the daily exercises and and being able to use my hand a little bit more. What I don't have is like grip strength. So mm. for example, if like you, if I had, and it's my dominant hand that got, that got the surgery done on. So like, if I had like a big pot of coffee, I can't, I don't have the confidence really to grip it and then tilt it and pour it into the cup. Um, just cause I don't uh. have all that there, but it's still, it's, it is definitely feeling better. I get the stitches out in a week and maybe we'll look a little less like a Franken hand then. Um, but you know, Given that we're only weeks in surgery, it's actually it, I'll, I've come a long way, I would say. So does that mean you have to use your non-dominant hand to pour yourself coffee? Do you trust yourself enough to do that? Yes. And okay. for the first time I can say in my life over the weekend, I opened a bottle of wine with my left hand rather than my dominant hand for the same reason, because okay. it just doesn't feel quite right. to Can't put a lot of a lot of mustard into the right hand right now. Well, that's good because uh, I was worried that you're going to have to hire someone temporarily to open things for you. I don't know if it, the SDPN has enough in the budget for that. No, no, I'm not. Uh, it could be far, far worse. I'm I'm pretty independent with even after the surgery. Yes. Um, and I'm back to past- work this week, bud. Yes. Two insider trainings at TSN. I got the big board uh, landing on Wednesday for North Star Vets. So it's uh, back up and running off the IR. Okay, so uh, since you're going to have the big board up on Wednesday, does that mean we can use that big board up on the Thursday show? Absolutely. Can't reveal okay. can't reveal the findings just yet, mostly because they're not entirely solidified. So um, not, not keeping secrets from you, but it's not entirely formulated at this point. But by Thursday, we'll be able to talk about it. You heard it here first, people. CJ's big board uh, will be discussed on the Thursday edition of the Chris Johnston Show. This show is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Uh, I literally take AG1 from Athletic Greens every day. Uh, I gave it a try because I wanted better gut health. I wanted a better immune system. And I'm trying just to just eat better and and have a I'm all about health and wellness for 2023. I'm trying to be a little bit more consistent with that. And having Athletic Greens in my life, I think, is putting me in that right direction. Uh, you know, I, I have the bottle, the, the I think it's 12 ounces. You put your water in, you put your powder in. I like to mix it with a little bit of juice here and there, uh, but it tastes great. And it helps just make me feel better and, and provide so much energy. I, I really enjoy it. I take it in the morning before doing this, to be honest with you, doing the podcast, any of the podcasts that I do or getting it onto any article that I'm writing for The Athletic as well. And I feel ready to go to be quite honest with you. So AG1, that is something that, uh, you know, I know we're doing the ads, but I genuinely, I genuinely enjoy the product. Uh, If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free 
one-year supply of vitamin D, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Johnston, athleticgreens.com slash Johnston uh, to get yourself a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. It's it's really cool, really great, a lot of different vitamins in there, uh, really great for your morning routine. I get that uh, you should probably have it on an empty stomach before you get to eating, just something that could be a part of your natural daily routine with uh, 75 high-quality ingredients that give daily nutrients and long-term gut health support. Again, uh, athleticgreens.com slash Johnston if you want a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. This show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. Uh, LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. I know once upon a time as a young media professional trying to find opportunities, I was definitely surfaced trying to look for opportunities on LinkedIn. So I would imagine hopefully those targeting tools would uh, have me in mind. That's my thinking. Uh, LinkedIn Jobs goes beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. And LinkedIn Jobs, of course, makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. If you're all about trying to achieve your goals in 2023, whether it's getting that big job somewhere, getting a promotion at that job you have now, or looking just looking for an opportunity that will get you towards that path, uh, LinkedIn Jobs uh, will help you go into the right direction. And it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Johnston. It's CJ's last name, linkedin.com slash Johnston to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, did you watch Bruins? Of course you did. The Bruins and the Leafs this past weekend. Of course I did. It was uh, one of the best games I've seen in a while. Now, granted, I don't I don't catch every game of the schedule, so I'm, I'm sure there have been lots of... I actually think this has been a great season. I'm not sure we've like really touched on that much. But this season to me has been quite compelling, full of lots of great games. Uh, and I, I thought Toronto Boston lived up to that, to that kind of standard. You had some lead changes. The Bruins score late in regulation to, to win 4-3. But um, you know, it was it was a pretty tasty preview of what might be a playoff series. Of course, if you look at the standings, it looks like it would have to be a second round playoff series because Boston is lapping the entire league right now and certainly has a stranglehold on the Atlantic Division's number one seed. So the only way they could face the Leafs, I guess, is if the Leafs fell off down into a wild card position in round one, or if they got through what looks like the Tampa Bay Lightning in round one and, and face them in round two. Uh, I'll tell you this. There are a lot of Leafs fans right now who, if you told them that they would play the Boston Bruins in round two, they would take it. And we all know why they would. Of course. I, I think if you're a Leafs fan, you got to take anyone in round two at this point. Um, and, you know, it's it's a 
man, that division it's at the top end is, is it's, it's kind of same as it ever was, right? It's five or six years where you've had these three teams all been really good. And you had Florida in the mix last year, winning the president's trophy. Um, you know, that doesn't have the depth of some other divisions. Like I look at, you know, maybe even the Metro right now, there's, there's a number of teams still jockeying around. We'll see what happens with the Pittsburgh's and the Washington's, the Islanders, you know, those teams that have kind of been falling in and out of the playoff spot. Um, but you know, at, at the, at the high end, it's, it guarantees it's, it's a pretty tough first couple rounds for, for the Bruins, Lightning and Leafs. I was about to say, this is kind of weird for me as someone who has been adjusted to watching Eastern conference teams more than Western conference teams. Now, like I've like, I haven't watched the lightning all that much just to see that there's obviously still competitive is not that much of a surprise, but like, I couldn't tell you what a preview of a Leafs lightning rematch in the first round would look like for the first time in my life. Like for what you've seen between those two teams, like if the playoffs were to start today and they were to face off against each other, what do you think a, a series looks like between those two teams? Well, I would be booking all seven games. Like I wouldn't be planning on it being quick. Um, you know, I think it would be similar to last year. Like the teams themselves aren't aren't that drastically different. Obviously, some some different forwards in the bottom six, you know, some small turnover, but I mean, really the what what drives the teams is is the same. And last year they played seven games and the final score cumulatively was 24-23 for the Leafs. So and they lost one more game and, you know, a couple of those games went to overtime and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I think that, I think it would be very tight again. I, I think that, um, you know, the goaltending would be maybe the biggest change this time around, you know, there's, there's still question marks about, you know, how would Matt Murray handle that kind of series? Obviously he's had playoff success in the past, but we know he's also had a long injury history. So I think that, you know, th there's, there's some wild cards there, but, you know, we've got a long time, this is the unfortunate part of, I mean, you know, I don't like this playoff format. I've, I've hit that. I, drum. I don't like it either. I've banged on that drum about a thousand times over the course of our show, but you know, I will say what I really don't like too is, is it's already locked in, right? Like it's, it's more or less, unless something weird happens, it's basically Toronto and Tampa in round one. Now that there's still something to be played for because, you know, which of those teams finish the second division and has home ice is, is still very much up for grabs. But it's hard to imagine either Buffalo or Detroit or someone coming and catching them from behind. And and I don't see either the Leafs or, or um, the Lightning being able to put together a strong enough second half to make up 10 or 12 points on the Bruins. I mean, again, everything is possible. Maybe Boston completely falls apart, but you've just seen no reason to believe that. I mean, they already have 70 points in the standings. Uh, it's not even the all-star break. So, um, you know, I, I just think that it's unfortunate we have a long time to conceptualize what this looks like. There's still a couple more meetings between Toronto and Tampa. So you'll get a, a look then, but I think it's just going to be, a, it would be a tense tight series. And I don't think either team's winning it easily put it that way. I, I think it would be a, a real knock them down, drag them out kind of, you know, best of seven. I'm good with that because considering how entertaining that first round series was like generally, and the Leafs were right there. They just needed one more win. They didn't get it but it was a very entertaining series. You could argue it was probably one of the most entertaining series up until the Stanley Cup, up until the conference final, the Stanley Cup final with what they produced. So if we get a, re we've, it's likely we're going to get that rematch. I'm not going to complain that much come playoff time. We'll see how that goes. I mean, um, the one guarantee though, for all I can, you know, bitch about the, the, the way the format works, the playoffs always deliver and round one in particular, the round one in particular delivers. So, 
Um, you know, the NHL does have something going right there. I just think that there's probably a, a more fair and better way to seed the playoff teams. But uh, the truth is, if you're going to win the cup, you got to beat some good teams. You got to beat everybody else. And so that that does remain true. Last thing, just before we get to sports interaction uh, with David Bastel, any thoughts on uh, John Tortorella and the uh, banning of iPads behind the bench? Well, sometimes the jokes write themselves, right? The headlines yes. write themselves in this case. And, and I think if you only see that on Twitter, if you only see the snippet, it's it gives you very much old man yells at cloud vibes. But when you actually listen to what John Tortorella had to say about why he was doing it, I, I do think it makes some sense. He just felt that his players weren't doing a good job of understanding the flow of the game, that they get off the ice after a shift and they'd kind of be engrossed in whatever they're looking at from their previous shift on the iPad and not, you know, having a lot of situational awareness. And, and you know, there's some specific details or games that, that he could point to. And so he's he's gotten rid of that because he, he kind of wants his players to pay more attention and to be into the game. And, you know, you, you look at the Flyers right now, they've actually won seven of eight heading into a game in Boston on, on Monday afternoon. So, you know, they, they've been going quite well. And I know big picture, they're kind of in that mushy middle, lost that sea a little bit directionally. But, you know, it's John Tortorella's job to get the best out of the players, get them to win games. And they've been winning games. They just can't watch the iPad uh, in real time the way 31 other teams players are are doing. Apparently, Travis connecting it was the uh, the biggest offender of the uh, the iPads, just constantly looking at it just to see what he had done in the past. He was the biggest offender, according to John Tortorella, from what I read in the uh, the athletic article on this story. Well, I mean, he's doing something right. He's he's scoring like a goal a game these days. It feels like so. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's. I mean, look, Torts. He he is. He's kind of a a meme, right? Like he he leans into who he is. I can tell you that he would do that though, really believing it. Like, like I don't, I don't think he's trying to be a Grinch here, or trying to be, you know, I don't think he's trying to be even hard on his players. I think he's trying to send a certain message. But, um, yeah, when I saw that scroll through my Twitter feed, I was like, oh man, there's always something in Philadelphia, right? There's always something, and it's not just the sun. I will tell you that. Uh, all right, time to bring on David Bastel for sports interactions. Uh, you can bet that segment. Let's do it. You can bet that with David Bastel. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. Get in the action and make a play. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Welcome to You Can Bet That with David Bastel. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. Uh, I happen to live in a city that uh, is part of the Pacific Division, the National Hockey League, and uh, we have some lines out already. Uh, for who could win of the Pacific Division. And uh, Vegas is the betting favorite, but the Seattle Kraken sneaking up there, looking pretty good in second place. Yeah, you know what? It, it's interesting because I was looking at some of the notes this morning, guys, and I was thinking, okay, let's let's do something a little different because every single, every single, I'm going to say month, they, they redo the lines because, you know, teams go on 10-game winning streaks. They go on 10-game losing streaks. Uh, they look at future schedule and so forth. And I list five teams that legitimately could win this division. And, and it's pretty wide open. And then after that, psh, the line is kind of drawn already. You could already put the X's beside elimination, in my opinion. But, I mean, I'm looking at the LA Kings right now, CJ. Uh, pretty much in this conversation, a couple points back. And they're paying 9-1. to one. I mean, if you're circling a value bet, maybe, maybe that's one of my opinions. I don't know about you guys, because... 
I think you can make some opinions on five teams, like I mentioned. Well, I just want to know who's going to get goaltending. The Pacific is like a goalie graveyard, it feels like, uh, with due respect to a couple of good performers in the division. But um, yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I would be probably more inclined to go with LA, but but they've just had such, such trouble getting consistent saves. Um, you know, it's, it's a toss up, but I think that's what makes it such an interesting division. It certainly hasn't gone the way I would have guessed at the start of the year. To your point about goalie graveyard, uh, Seattle, you're having Martin Jones. We've raved about him a couple of times. Logan Thompson is a veritable uh, rookie of the year candidate. Those are two goalies I'm sure we did not think would be talked about at all in that conversation at the beginning of this year, especially a division that has guys like Jonathan Quick or Cal Peterson or or Jacob Barkstrom or Jake, Jack Campbell, who signed that deal out in Edmonton, and Stuart Skinner, uh, Thatcher Demko. John Gibson in Anaheim, even though Anaheim's a bad team. So it is very interesting with regards to, to goaltending in that division. But uh, yeah, the, the lines are there for uh, who could be winning in the Pacific Division. And uh, we have to mention football because yeah. uh, we do like football here. Uh, Siege, are you nervous? Are you nervous? Dallas Cowboys <laughs> against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight. <laughs> I'm nervous. Here's On Sunday, I got a last-minute note from a friend offering me a ticket to the game. Oh, if I was what? willing to fly down to Tampa and I didn't bite, not just because of the price of it, because uh, it would have been a costly, quick last minute decision, but it was I'm that nervous that Tom Brady is going to do something to break my heart. Oh, my God. DB, tell us yeah. uh, who's the favorite for that game. Well, the Dallas Cowboys are the favorites, slight favorites. It's two and a half point favorites. So basically, we're looking at, uh, you know, a field goal type game. Um, some of the bigger stats, of course, and I know. CJ, you know all about this. Tom Brady hasn't lost to the Dallas Cowboys. I'm sure you're getting sick of people like me telling you this. Uh, guess what? They they can do it on one night because that's all it kind of takes right there. Um, you look at it, too. The Dallas Cowboys have clearly had the better, better season than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And and you know what? Almost, almost won that division in a very good East division where Tampa Bay kind of rolled into it. And, and, and if you look at what they have to offer in that division, it is, yeah, it's, it's a mess, right? So they were the best of the least and, you know, they host the game tonight. So anything can happen. It's to, it's kind of fun to watch playoff football on Monday night. Cause we don't get to see it too often. It just kind of started within the last couple of years. And, uh, I, I look forward to it. I, I look, yes, I have a too. stomach churn and we're about 12 hours from kickoff. So, <laughs> Well, the only thing I can say to that is that uh, scared money don't make no money. Uh, well, we'll see how that goes with the Monday Monday Night Football. Uh, don't forget to check out sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game, in game, and the best props. Again, sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. You had an opportunity to go watch an NFL playoff game featuring your NFL team, the Dallas Cowboys, and Tom Brady, the Tom Brady, and you said no? What? Okay. Well, first of all, I live in Toronto. The okay. NFL playoff game is being played in Tampa. Okay. Three and a bit hour flight. I was given the opportunity to go. I'm looking right now at the text. At 5.40 p.m. on Sunday night for a game that was being played on Monday. So I would have had to really rearrange my schedule. I, I mean, I still have work to do this week, too. And get there. And then the kicker is, and this is, I'll just read the text and see how, if okay. you just got this text from one of your, your buddies, we've okay. got an extra ticket for tomorrow if you're tempted, but they're $1,100 each, LOL. Mm. So that's pretty, that's pretty pricey. 
I'm not going to lie. Price was a factor. Like it was, it wasn't just, Oh, you can go to a game. It was like, you have to completely upend your life on a moment's notice, pay for a plane ticket, figure out a hotel. And then on top of that, just to get in the door, it's 1100 bucks. Okay. I mean, I mean, I love the Cowboys, but there is, there is a point where that doesn't make sense. Okay. That's fair. Cause, cause I don't know. I, in my mind, like if I'm getting a text from my friend being like, Hey, I got the sticker left over. Like, something has like some kind of accommodation has to be taken care of like i'm not made of money and i don't have all that type of time i will concede on that front that being said like if this was like the nfc championship game or the super bowl like you have to you have to seriously consider that even if it does upend your life well i seriously considered it even as is because you know these opportunities don't come around too often right i mean i've I've been, a, I'd say about 20 years into like my hardcore Cowboys fandom where I basically watch every game or, and certainly follow along. And I mean, they really haven't been in that many playoff games over that period of time. They've won next to none, um, unfortunately, uh, painfully. And quite candidly, I will tell you, I fully expect them to lose on Monday. Like I, I'm, I'm in my defeatist stage of fandom with the Cowboys. Like I want to believe, but <laughs> I, I don't believe. And so that was like the other thing in my mind is like, in addition to the inconvenience of this, the ex incredibly high cost, I might be doing all that to go there for like three hours of misery. Um, but you also get to watch Tom Brady. Uh -uh. <laughs> Does nothing I, for you. <laughs> I'm I've got blinders on, man. I'm there to watch the Cowboys. There's, there's no one on that other team that they could do anything that's going to impress me or make me happy or be like, I guess you're right. It could be, who knows? This could be his final game in the NFL, perhaps. I, I don't know what his plans are, but, um, you know, it begs a question. What would be the price, like, for any of the teams you love most, like, and, and we're talking a game with some consequences as this one has, like, what what is the max price you would pay to go? Yeah. Uh. And what team would it be? Because I, I guess that that probably frames it as well. So, like, I think the team for me, it's got to be Manchester United. So, like, I'm watching, like, a Champions League. Not that they're in the Champions League right now. But, like, a knockout round Champions League game at the Theater of Dreams. Shoot, I got to count for a ticket. I got to count for a plane ticket. I, I'm not going to sleep on the street. Like, okay. So like, but keep in mind, I got to like, pay at least a grand. That's, that's flying, a wreck. But would you, what would you pay for the ticket into the game? Cause at least yeah, if like, you're flying to England, like you're, you're in England, like you can do that. You can have a little trip out of it. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're in Europe. Yeah. So you're getting something else for the, the money <laughs> for the plane ticket money, but like for the game itself, like what's your number? Like, I think I would go over a grand. I like a thousand bucks is about my number in my mind. Like, and that's for one ticket. Yeah. yeah, I know. And like the games, like, keep in mind, we've all watched enough sports. Like sometimes sporting <laughs> events suck. Like what, there was a game over the weekend, right? Didn't someone won seven, nothing. Yeah. Like, you, you could go to a game and spend a lot of money and watch your team lose seven, nothing. Like it happens. You could also go to a game and see your team be, be down 27, nothing, maybe leave partway through only for them to win. Do you know what you, the could, fact. you know what you could also do? You could also go to a game as a younger Chris Johnson once did on his own dime and see the the bat flip from uh, Jose Batista. Literally one of the coolest moments of my entire life. Like I'm not exaggerating. One of my favorite things I've ever done 
there's so much tension and you know so like that's Gosh. that's and and you know i'm sure that ticket wasn't cheap because it was a playoff game at the time for the jays like world series i would spend a thousand bucks it's funny i actually had world series tickets last year of course they didn't they didn't get beyond the, didn't uh, make it. the wild card round with seattle but i had bought tickets like into the world series i think or maybe the alcs anyway i believe uh, and, that because you're, you're a diehard jays fan but they weren't even a, they weren't a thousand bucks but i would i mean don't listen to this whoever sets the jays ticket prices and targets me with your ads but also where if you're if you're paying a grand and i don't mean to spend too long on this but like if you're paying a grand where are you sitting because i'm not paying a grand for like nosebleeds well, my impression That's probably what it's going to be at. I think the football ticket that was offered to me was like on the 50 yard line. Like, I think it was like a really that's a real that's that's in, that's insane. I think it was a really good ticket, but like, I mean, I said no, I expect the Cowboys that's to lose. really good. That's part like, of it. Like, though. you're making it think as if it's like, oh, you know, like I'm sitting like high up in the nose, like, like right by the cannon. I'm gonna like my ears are gonna bleed on the 50 yard line. That's like a once in a lifetime experience. I know, and I I said no. I mean, here's the other thing: if the no, game if this was, ends up being the game of the year, I'm letting you know. Okay, but that's fine. I'm still gonna watch it, right? I've got a nice, comfy seat on my couch. I got a big screen. You know, it's Monday night, so it won't be too crazy. But maybe I'll mix myself a drink or something. Just feel nice hey. and toasty, and just just watch the Cowboys win. Like my point is, I'll still enjoy the game. Now, it won't be near as good of experience if that if it's an awesome game and the Cowboys win, and my my buddy who is going to the game. But yeah, anyway, it's an interesting question. If the game was in Dallas, I would have thought harder because I yeah. really, 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 really want to go to that stadium and I haven't had the chance yet. Um, you know, I, I've driven by that the stadium in Tampa. I don't know. It doesn't like, it's just a big football stadium, but Jerry world looks like something else in Dallas. Like that's, that's on the bucket list. Like that's, I got to take care of that next season. Like when the schedule comes out i gotta figure out it's just hard because the nfl season overlaps with the start of the nhl season and obviously we're working and all that but uh anyway good hypothetical question but i, I think i would get to a grand like i could have twisted myself into the 1100 price but then you're still looking at probably another thousand for the flight and nice. as I, and as i said like we wouldn't be recording this podcast right now i'd probably be on a plane like i don't know it, would, it was not a convenient that also time. i'll say with the flight it depends on when you book. Like in this particular instance, if you're doing a one day turnaround, like hell yeah, like that flight's gonna be a grind. Like, well, and plus you don't get to enjoy Tampa. Like, you're, it's not like I'm getting any. Literally, just fly, waking up early, flying there, going to the game, having fun, and then flying right back, and then like having insider trading tomorrow. And yeah, it would have been a not so. It would have been too crazy. So just you're just a responsible adult. Do you know what I am doing though? What? I haven't even told you this, I don't think. No, what are you what are you doing? I'm going to Montreal this weekend. Oh you're going you're going this weekend? This coming weekend, and I'm gonna sit in the crowd too. Like bought a ticket oh. and everything. Uh I'm going um this is a long story. Well, actually, you know what? I'm gonna spare the details, but I'm going to Montreal at the end of the month. I was originally supposed to go somewhere else, but then that fell through. So I'm going home instead, but I'm gonna be going back home to Montreal like much later. Well, that's nice. I'm glad you'll see your friends and family. But yeah, I'm I'm actually going. I am spending my own money to go to a sporting event in in the coming week. It's just not going to be the the Cowboys Bucks playoff game. Well, you're the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, at the Bell Center. I mean, uh, there's I've said it, man. No better place. It's to like watch. going to the Vatican if you're Catholic. It's 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 an experience. If you're a real 
hardcore hockey fan, you should go watch your team play or any team play the Canadians, especially I think on a Saturday. Like I think there's just yes. something nice about. Yeah. So it's really just something to do for me. This, you know, it's January kind of in like bundled up season, not leaving the house too much. So I was trying to force myself out, go see some friends down there, maybe see Arpen Basu, our buddy. Tell and, him uh, I say hi. Tell him I say hi. Anyway, we should probably talk about hockey. I guess I'm totally like, like always, I just derail us with these like random things that go on, but. And we never, and we never complain about that because it always leads into fascinating discussion. So I'm, I'm not even mad about the fact that we've delayed talk about uh, the Vancouver Canucks and whatever the hell is going on with Tanner Pearson. I'm telling you, man, the Vancouver Canucks, man, they've just been this tire fire that just keeps on spinning. It's like the league's best soap opera uh by far compared to any other story going wrong i thought the philadelphia flyers would have been that team this year the vancouver canucks have been that team this year and uh for for those trying to catch up with what's going on with tanner pearson and please fill in the details uh that i may have missed uh, tanner pearson uh forward for the team has not played since november 9th i think against the montreal canadians when he hurt his wrist since then he's been due for multiple wrist surgeries and it seems as if his career is in doubt let alone the the idea that he could even play next season uh quinn hughes goes to the media and says that his injury wasn't handled right uh for those who did notice online uh when the media availability happened with quinn hughes yes the vancouver canucks did cut out that part of uh, his media availability from the video they put out on Twitter. Uh, Canucks president Jim Rutherford wants to meet with stakeholders to discuss what's going on. The NHLPA might get involved. There's a lot of crap going on in this situation. Again, if there's any other detail I've missed, please fill in. Please feel free to fill in that detail. But like, it just seems like it's a mess. Yeah, and it's an awful situation for a, a veteran player who spent a long time in the league. I mean, this was a four to six week recovery timeline that was given when he was injured You know, in early November. And here you are in January talking about the end of the season, having some question about next season. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion um, that this this injury or this series of issues is going to uh, heal and recover in, in a fashion that allows them to, to play next year. It's not a guarantee at this point in time. And, you know, I think the team is doing the only thing it should do, which is figure out how this happened. Because clearly it, it's not even at this point, I don't think we can we can't assign blame here it, it, you know medical certain medical procedures that are done on on hockey players are very routine like yes it's this it's this break this is how this is what the recovery looks like certain other things have more nuance you know in this case you're talking about a player too that that's had some infection uh get in after the surgery as well and so you know i, I think that jim rutherford's doing the right thing by trying to you know figuring out what went wrong you you certainly don't want to see any repeat of this you also have to make things right with Tanner Pearson. And I think that's where the NHL Players Association comes into the discussion. Obviously, his agent, Joe Resnick, is, um, you know, lobbying on his behalf and, and making sure his rights are protected. You know, one thing you may not realize, Julian, is that players actually do have an ability to get a second opinion or a third opinion in the CBA. So if, if you know, I'm not suggesting that that's what happened here, that that he didn't go do that or something, but, you know, a player's right to to how they, they receive treatment is is protected by the league's rules. And so, you know, I think at this point we'll have to just see what comes out of this. Um, but it's it's you're right. I mean, it, it has nothing to do with the other issues in Vancouver. Unless I guess you want to draw a line between a lot of other things. But like, I, I think it, it is just 
it's been a real shitstorm there. I mean, what else, what else do you call it? And, you know, it, it does seem as though Quinn Hughes drawing attention to it is, is ultimately what, you know, got it to the level where team president Jim Rutherford was aware of it um, based on the comments he made to Ian McIntyre. So, um, you know, that's, that in itself almost speaks to, you know, it's a little surprising that, you know, this wouldn't have been run up the chain of command more. I mean, I get that the team president maybe doesn't get daily injury updates on every player that's out. Um, but, you know, something like this, this is, uh, it's gone horribly wrong. And, you know, just want to wish my best to Tanner Pearson because we're talking about a human being in the middle of this. And, and you know, it sounds like he's been through hell and back, to be honest. Yeah, it does sound like that. And and to your, to your point, though, about the fact that it's not necessarily tied to all of the other issues that have surrounded the Vancouver Canucks, it is, however, one thing atop that heap because, like, literally, almost since day one of the season, there's something going on with this team. If they're not playing well, JT Miller's doing something, or or Bruce Boudreaux's name is being slandered in the mud with potential replacements being discussed almost every week. Like, it's 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 and and I and I hate to sound like broken record. It, it you're absolutely right. It is a shitstorm. That's what it is. Well, you've said that so many times, and. You know, look at every organization. We'll talk about culture. Every leader within an organization will talk. We'll throw that word around. I think what you're, what they mean when they say that is that there's a certain way that we do business. There's a certain way we handle everything. There's a certain professionalism to how things are done. It just, it doesn't feel like they they've reached that level, on a consistent enough basis there. And and you know, I'm not sure if that ultimately falls at ownership's feet. Uh, obviously, Jim Rutherford really respected hockey man. Um, Someone who's been around the league a long time, has a great reputation. I've dealt with him a lot over the years. You know, personally, I, I really, I, it would be hard for me to imagine that it's all on his feet. But unfortunately, I suppose when you wear the president's hat and, and you're at the top of the the food chain, so to speak, you know, you're going to have to maybe take responsibilities for some things that are maybe even a little bit beyond his purview because everything is supposed to be in his purview. But yeah, it's... It, it feels like they really need a reset. I don't. I don't mean that they necessarily have to clean out the front office again because they've just done that a year ago. But I, it's been a year. It's been a year. But it just it feels like they're they're no further ahead, right? Um, we're not even talking about the on ice product. Uh, but it, it it just seems as though something isn't right there. And I would suggest that you got to fix that before you're going to fix anything that happens on the ice. I mean, it it all does go part and parcel. To, together and and that's not to say organizations that are really efficiently run i'll look at say like the tampa bay lightning um you know been to three straight stanley cup finals have a top end general manager have a universally respected owner um really tight business operation you know it's not to say that something couldn't you know the, the mistakes could happen anywhere or issues could still arise but i think i think they become more pronounced when there's instability and it just seems like an unstable place uh, vancouver how much different do you look at the Vancouver Canucks if they were going through all the troubles they were going through on and off the ice, but they found themselves firmly in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes as opposed to that mushy middle we think about with the Philadelphia Flyers, for example? I think it's different, right? I mean, everyone knows what's going on in Chicago this year. And, you know, that's an organization that's been through its own issues, we'll call them, in the last couple of years. That's putting but it lightly. They, and they, but they've made a conscious decision to be in that sweepstakes to, you know, rebuild their team, to trade away players. 
And sure, they're losing a lot of games. I know attendance is down. It's the biggest rank in the league or second biggest rank in the league. But they still like sold out a game recently. And and I, I think it's easier to buy into the plan when you see a plan and when you see it being executed and and when everyone sort of understands what's at play there. I think the same would be true of the Canucks. I guess what's what's different about Chicago and Vancouver is Vancouver has better players in the primes of their careers or in the even the early stages of the primes of their careers that were already in house. And so maybe it's a little harder for them to contemplate that rebuild because you still have Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson and, you know, you, you, you have, you have the makings of something that might be something. So it was probably harder to, to stomach the idea of, of going right to the bottom of the standings, but, you know, ultimately they might end up there anyway. I mean, that, that, that's still a possibility. I mean, I, who knows? I, I, I wouldn't even want it. We don't know. No one has a crystal ball as it is, but I would not want to predict what's going to happen next in Vancouver. I mean, it's, it feels like there's, there's a big story every other week, as you mentioned, and, and some new controversy. And, you know, they're still down to what, six weeks now till the trade deadline. And their captain, who's already got 30 goals on the year, is not signed beyond the season and probably not signing and probably has to be traded. I mean, there's still some some big, big shoes to drop here in, in the near future for the Canucks. Tune in next episode of the CJ Show to figure out what the Vancouver Canucks do next. All right, let's move on to another Canadian team. I felt like that was the end, but I was like, hey, wait, we still got more to go. No, we have plenty more to go on this week's on this Monday edition of the CJ show, uh, including the Edmonton Oilers, who uh, may get Evander Kane back in the lineup. But uh, does that mean uh, they have to get creative with how they'll accommodate his uh, $5.125 million AAV hit? Uh, yeah, what do you, how do you see it? Well, the great news for Edmonton is that Evander Kane sounds as always imminently ready to return perhaps as early as Tuesday, but certainly I would, I would say in the coming days, it, it appears that that's what's going to happen. And, and, you know, when that happens, they, they will have to clear some, some space out. I mean, they can, there's a, a couple things they can do. They can send some players down that are waiver exempt. They can carry a, a 20 man roster, which is the minimum. But, you know, I think one of the other things that they've been exploring is, is seeing if there is somewhere that Yessi Puli um might be a fit for another team. And, you know, I, I'm not sure how much traction they've made there. Unfortunately, it's been a really difficult year for for Pugliarvi. Uh, You'll recall he made some some candid comments in, to a reporter back home in Finland about his struggles to to create offense. Um, you know, has not produced up to the level that was certainly expected of him when he was a fourth overall pick uh, back in 2016. Um, and you know, I think his his career has kind of stalled out a little bit. Um, but you know, that's, that's something to keep an eye on is that, uh, it's not to say they have to move Pugliarvi as part of activating Evander Kane. I think there's other ways they can create the space that, that aren't quite as drastic as we might say, but you know, I think that they've been canvassing the league to see if there's a market to, to, you know, unload that player and, you know, they're going to have to do some sort of, uh, roster tweaking. So we'll keep an eye on the waiver wire and, and, you know, see if anything comes of the, the Pugliarvi talks. But generally, even beyond Evander Kane and trying to bring him back into the fold, shouldn't the Edmonton Oilers be in a position where they should be doing something ahead of the deadline, considering the fact that they're fighting for a playoff spot with Calgary, considering the fact they have the two best players in the league and they should be doing everything they can to maximize their cup chances? Like we kind of talked about this the same way last year with with goaltending and they ended up getting Evander Kane and it actually ended up working out for them. But uh, how do you see it with, uh, with Ken Holland and, and the Oilers and, and what they should be doing ahead of the deadline? 
Well, I think that they'll get a, a defenseman, likely a left shot defenseman. Um, I know that they've had their their scouts out, you know, following a, a handful of guys that they've identified as as you know potential candidates. You know that that feels like a move that happens much closer to the deadline for the the cap ramifications because largely those players that I'm referencing, there's other teams that are going to be interested in as well, and so. If you're selling one of them, you might be waiting to see the market more fully formed before you're making a trade. But you know, I think that they will try to improve a little bit defensively. Obviously, one player, um, you know, alone won't do that. But I, you know, I think they're going to do what they can. And, and look, they have the same problem I could say of a lot of teams with high ambitions is they just they don't have the the ability to to do a, a whole lot um, when it comes to drastic roster changes. You know, I think adding Evander Kane back will. You know, let's give him some time. He had a significant uh, injury, if you recall. He had his wrist stepped on in, in, in a game in Tampa. And so, you know, might might take him some time to get his hands back, so to speak, and feel comfortable handling the puck to, to the degree he normally does. But it's still a big addition getting him back after a couple months uh, on the sidelines. Um, and I don't see them making any home run acquisitions beyond that. But, you know, we'll see what they do. I think that they, they would consider some players that aren't just rentals um, when, when they make it a deal ultimately for a defenseman. So that, you know, might bring in, I mean, it's a name that's been linked to them so much, but you know, Jacob Chikrin, I think makes some sense for the Oilers. I don't know that they have, you know, complete on their end. I'm not sure every, everyone with a stake in that decision sees it the same way. Um, and obviously you're talking about a pretty high acquisition cost there, but yeah, the Oilers are, they're, they're going to, I would say confidently they're going to make a trade. I just, I can't, they can't make three or four or anything like that. I mean, I don't, I don't see anything that drastic on the horizon for them. And if anything, I think they're going to lean in maybe a little bit to the fact that they, they tend to win games five, four, um, you know, they're, they're not built the way other teams are, but they also have two players at the top end of the roster that probably no other team can quite match in terms of their offensive abilities. So um yeah, that's that's sort of where the Oilers are at. I still think they could win it all this year, even though it's been kind of an up and down year. It hasn't gone the way everyone would like. I mean, just just seeing what Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl did for a couple of rounds last year, if they could if they can repeat that, and of course they can. I mean, that they're going to be a dangerous out no matter who they play. Absolutely. I mean, teams kill for one Hart Trophy candidate. Imagine having two, like the Edmonton Oilers do. That's just what it is uh, but we'll, uh, we will obviously be updating the Edmonton Oilers file as we make that race towards the trade deadline uh, one more thing before we get to ask CJ uh, we should mention uh, the unfortunate passing of Gino Ojik uh, the longtime NHL enforcer uh, played in Vancouver for a number of seasons played with the Islanders played with the Flyers uh, spent the tail end of his career with the Montreal Canadiens in his hometown uh, unfortunately passing away on Sunday uh, due to a heart attack at the age of 52. Uh, any thoughts on Gino? Yeah, I mean, I remember him a lot from when I was a kid. Uh, was was a big personality player, you know, rode sort of shotgun with Pavel Bure. Always seemed like a, an unlikely couple, so to speak, but but two good buddies um, back when, you know, Pavel Bure for a time, even for a kid growing up in the East and, you know, was the most exciting player in the league for a couple of years in Vancouver. Um, and yeah, I remember Gino, you know, being sort of his protector, a different era of the sport and, and just just always seemed like a really kind guy, really embraced Vancouver, I think, was one thing that made him so popular and beloved among Canucks fans is he just seemed like there was nowhere else on earth he wanted to play. And and 
strangely enough, I have an uncle who has a cottage in, in a place called Manawaki in, in Quebec. And I, that's, I believe, right from where Gino was from. So yes, I never met him personally, but uh, have fond sort of remembrances of him as a player and uh, just seemed like a wonderful guy. And, and 52 is just too young to go. So I'm, I'm sorry for him and his family that they've uh, you know, had that loss. Absolutely. I echo those sentiments as well. May he rest in peace. Okay. We will now move on to uh, some questions uh, for Ask CJ, as we normally do on the Monday edition of the show. We take in questions off of Twitter. Uh, we take in questions off the SDPN Discord as well. And they can literally be about anything. They can be about hockey. They can be about food. They could be about, I don't know, what Taylor CJ has for his suits. I don't I don't know. What's, what's your suit budget? Um, I don't have one currently, so. Oh, you don't have a suit budget. It's whatever I'm willing to pay. Okay. All right. We get well, whatever you're willing to pay for the suits and not for a uh <laughs> wild card weekend NFL game with a one day turnaround right. in Tampa Bay. I can't be going to Cowboys games when I gotta be getting some nice suits for trade deadline. Hundred percent. Think you know what way it's gonna go? Make your bet at Sports Interaction. When the puck drops, Sports Interaction has you covered pregame, live betting on all major sports, and prop bets. Wanna bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn 19 and over please play responsibly uh let's take in this first question from steve dan on twitter uh not to be confused with uh steve dangle uh is it just me or is the officiating getting worse pretty broad question i don't know i I, look at i get it but i feel like this topic is is evergreen right like it's not like last year everyone was saying oh the officiating is perfect and if you love if you love one team, whatever team that is, you could probably focus in on their games really closely as you do and find instances of missed penalty calls or, or mistaken um, situations and then see that on Twitter and it becomes its own self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't know that it's worse. Honestly, I, I don't believe that it's worse, but mistakes are going to be made. It's it's a high-speed game with rubber on ice and human beings are trying to adjudicate it. It's not making excuses for it. It's not saying someone isn't going to get screwed in a playoff series at some point in time. I mean, that's, that's, but that's been part of the sport, right? I mean, there's, there's people walking around in Toronto right now, still thinking about Carrie Fraser missing a high sticking call in a playoff series in 1993. So like public enemy, number one, I guess what I'm saying is that it's almost 30 years ago and people still have that in their mind. So what I'm not sure officiating is any worse today, but I think it's, it's definitely highly scrutinized. We have more and more camera angles and we have, you know, Twitter, let's call it Twitter. Twitter isolates all these moments and blows them up and it makes it seem like it's getting worse. But I, I'm not sure that's actually reflective of of it being any worse than, it, than it's ever been. OK. All right. You've heard it here from CJ. Officiating is not. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Part of Here's the thing. Part of being a fan is hating on the referees, right? Like that's. <laughs> yes, it is. Like I, I can't say so much in hockey, but like I watch my Blue Jays, and I'm always pissed about the umps and want want robot umps, and you know I notice every you know like I get it, but like that's part of what sports is. So like I, I'm not sitting here saying that you should like the refereeing, but I, I just I don't the way that question is phrased, and I think I've seen this conversation a little bit in, on hockey Twitter. Like, is it getting worse? Like, I don't think it's any worse than it's ever been. I just think. It's never going to be perfect, and that's always going to tick you off if you have an emotional investment in what's happening on the ice. What about, could you imagine if we get to a point where we have robot 
referees in the NHL. That will probably never happen because the game's too fast. But like if they unless they find a way to have like some kind of like drone like hovering thing from the stands that oversees everything and whenever they spot a call like they blow a whistle or something that feels like 1984-esque a little bit like it's like (laughs) like brother yeah like where you can't get away with anything the whole ice is mapped i mean that's the other part about the sport is it's meant to be played on the edge right yeah like i still remember even playing minor hockey like you're trying to get away with things like you're trying to impede other players obviously you don't want to end up in the penalty box but like there's a reason yeah i just i guess my point is is things are going to be missed it's not going to be perfect i guess my thinking is this like i don't mind like long video reviews or referees doing everything they can to get it right because of the margin of error that's there and if there are opportunities to advance it to the point where it's like hey we can do everything to ensure that it's right Whenever I hear the opposite where it's like, you know, it's going to happen with human error. I'm just like, no, because look, part of being a fan is hating the referees, right? In, and we can all account for human error until it happens to your team and it affects you greatly. Like if if my favorite team loses out on a playoff spot, for example, because of some bad call, it's very hard for me to just throw my hands up in the air and be like, that's the way it goes. Them's the breaks. Like, right. I want that right. I'm saying you, but like, I think that they're doing everything you could conceivably want. I mean, like they're, even in the years I've just been around the NHL, like they have like referee training camps. They're recruiting former players. Like they're, they're getting younger and more fit and people like creating pipelines to to have top level referees. Like, I think that, I think they're doing what you can reasonably do and expect them to do to, to have the best possible product. I just think, Things are going to get missed, man. Yeah. And you can they, scream like you're allowed to scream. Like, I'm not telling the fans not to scream. Shake your fist. But I, I would also just say, OK, step to the side and be like, how can how can this? It's never going to be perfect. It's just not. Yeah. But you know what? They also, I, I make this gripe all the time. Uh, so I'm just going to do it here. Uh, there's no reason why if a referee gets a, a call that's bad, that like we shouldn't be able to hear from them. We should be able to hear from them in some way. Of course, every sport's going that way. I spent every sport part of my that. weekend watching the behind-the-scenes tennis documentary. Like everything's going more behind the scenes and more. Like I, I, that's that would be a natural next step. I don't think it's coming to the NHL anytime soon, but it will come eventually. Anyway, Steve, Dan, thank you for that question. Incited a very good discussion. Uh, Drew Brewer, which player was the nicest person you must have interacted with? Is it James Soup? Or an off the board pick. Don't forget to be awesome. So that's James Reimer, I think he means. That's my guess. Yeah. He seems uh, like a very nice guy. Very, very nice guy. And remember, he kind of got he got tossed into the Leafs crease sort of by accident, I would say. Like he wasn't, I mean, he's had a remarkable career given what was expected of him back in those days. Like, I don't think anyone saw him being a 300 or 400 game NHL goaltender. Um, but what, and so he was, he kind of became a man of the moment at that time in Toronto and he handled all that as well as anyone could. Um, you know, Jack Campbell soup. He's as nice as you would imagine. I never saw anything to suggest otherwise. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good players in this league. I have to say, I mean, Sidney Crosby might be the biggest gentleman that I've ever consistently, you know, interacted with over the course of my career. And obviously he had much, much higher media demands placed on him than any player, you know, maybe other than, I guess, him and Ovechkin were similar 
but you know, and, and he just was always had made time for everyone and, you know, really looked you in the eye, just, just treated you with respect. Um, I think of like some random guys like Clark MacArthur was always great when he was in Toronto. Um, Colby Armstrong, who's since become a friend of mine was great with the media was always hilarious and had fun. He's funny. With it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's tons of younger players too nowadays uh, that, that, that fit that bill. Like I, I think, my main takeaway would be that there's there's very few jerks like very very few players that i would label even a, a pain to deal with um like even guys like phil kessel right who had a certain reputation like when you actually did get a proper chance to talk to him like he was a, he was a nice guy like i think he just didn't like doing it and he certainly didn't like the big media scrum and all that stuff and it kind of took on a life of its own for a period of time in toronto but like like i never actually had any personal issue with him like i didn't i actually quite like talking to him when i got a chance to it just was few and far between it so yeah it's maybe not the answer like there, there isn't one player that i'm like this guy was awesome like i'm like most of these guys are awesome and that's that remains the case like a visiting team comes through and i'll walk in the room and not even know them or whatever you know i had a great chat with maddie veneers the other day me and a couple of reporters and you know i don't know maddie he doesn't know me but like he was just an awesome thoughtful kid so i think the truth is, is the sport's full of, you know, people that have been wonderful to deal with, at least in my experience. It's a great answer. Um, how about uh, this next one from Happy Canadian 55? Will Lou Lamorello be general manager of the New York Islanders next year? They need some changes, too old and slow, loyalty costing them right now. I think he will be. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't see a scenario where he's fired. And yeah, you want to fire Lou Lamorello? Well, I mean, it's happened before, sort of. I guess he was not renewed, or anyway, whatever, whatever that situation was. But I, 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 I think he'll still be there. I do, and he does things his way. The Islanders do things their way, and I think, to be honest, that's it's it's been pretty effective. Um, I know last year was a write-off, and this year maybe hasn't. It's been a little bit up and down, but you know, I, I think that uh, I think Lou will be there. I do. Okay. Uh, Jen X Fletch, are the Leafs really even in the discussion for Bo Horvat or Timo Meyer? Seems like salaries, lack of draft capital, and prospect pool is working against them. Well, and and also I I don't know that they want to give out to pay the kind of price that would be required for players on expiring deals. Now it's it's not to say they wouldn't do it, but I, I think generally speaking they have a debate internally about whether it's worthwhile. And so, you know, I would expect that Bo Horvat and Timo Meyer, uh, when, when moved are going to go for princely sums. And, you know, I just, I don't know the Leafs would make that kind of move for a player on, on a deal that, that, that ends in terms of giving up a first plus plus whatever it takes. Um, so yeah, I, I don't see them as like, I wouldn't list the Leafs as, as the most likely destination for either of those players. You know, maybe maybe it's a little lower cost when you get someone like Ryan O'Reilly, for example, might might make sense in Toronto. Um, you know, obviously the Leafs are going to look for any way they can improve. I think certainly a top six forward remains their their main list on their shopping item shopping list. But um, no, I don't I don't wouldn't list them as the favorites for the the big dogs. Okay, what about from Giant Pie Twelve on Discord? Do you prefer a really good burger? Or a really good steak. Ooh, 
I I would say really good steak. Mm. I mean, yeah, really good steak. But I I really like a really good burger too. So, what's what's the common denominator here? I'm a carnivore. Like you meet? Yes, you are. I'm a carnivore. So, what's your favorite burger place? Um, I don't. I'm not loyal to one, to be honest. Like I, I don't have like Burgers Priests in Toronto. I like. They, they got a few different locations. Uh, someone's told me actually, my buddy Jonas Siegel covers the Maple Leafs for the Athletic is a, is a big burger aficionado, which you would not, you would not have him labeled for that because he he looks like a jockey. He's very svelte, fit young man. <laughs> yeah, but, he does. Uh, he's told me he he always like has opinions on the best burger in this city and that city. So there's one called Rudy in Toronto. I'm going to try at some point, but I haven't okay. had it yet. Um, but I've heard it's it's a good burger. But get at me in the comments because if you if you got if you feel passionately, I'm uh, I'm willing to try your your best burger joint because I I can appreciate a good burger. Uh, Maddie's Patties. The last time I was in Toronto, I hung out with uh, Dom at the Athletic. Uh, we enjoyed uh, some burgers at Maddie's Patties. It was very good. I would recommend that. And uh, I've been told uh, Bookie's Burgers in Calgary is supposedly really good. I have not tried that yet. So uh, at some point, I will do that, and I will report back with my findings. Love it. Uh, two more questions for you. Uh, Vinit on Discord. Hope the surgery went well, CJ. Did the run streak survive? The run streak has survived. I have uh, didn't miss a day. How many days? Today is day 993. Okay, we should do something for day 1000. I'm not sure what we should do. We should do something. I mean, it's next Tuesday. So January 24th is 1000. And it's it's been on my radar for a while because it just feels like it's a big round number and it's kind of preposterous to, to think that that happened. Because um, I actually was like, for some reason on New Year's, it hit me. I was like, I went the last eight months, give or take, of 2020, all of 2021 and all of 2022. And then now a couple more weeks. And that's that's what it takes to get to a thousand. So it's a, that's a long time of not missing a day. That's but it, it, was ne- it was never really in jeopardy, if I'm being honest. The only thing I'm a little nervous about now is that because it's slippery outside, if I was to fall, um, I would not want to brace myself with my right hand. No. Because um, that could probably do some, as I said, I, I, I'm at the point I'm having trouble lifting a coffee pot with it. So I really wouldn't want the force of my own weight hitting down on the ice on that or something. So I have been really careful when I've gone, I'm not going too fast, but I've still, I've still kept going every day. Yeah. Be careful when you run out. I don't know if you're wearing proper footwear. I don't want to sound uh, like a, I am wearing there. proper foot. I'm wearing proper footwear. I mean, I I've got my, I've got my winter, what I need locked in. Like I, I'm, I can do it safely, but I have, I have fallen. I fell once last year, like just slipped on ice. Like there's no damages to me, but unfortunately I had my cell phone in the pocket on the side I fell on and like cracked the screen. I had to get a new phone. So like, Ooh. yeah. So like, again, it, I've gone down once or twice. And so I'm very conscious that I would use my left hand to cushion the fall. If I were to tumble now. Last one uh, from Florida man, Matt Maroon, CJ Super Bowl predictions. Ooh, I want to say the Cowboys, but I've already said in this episode, I don't think they're winning the first game of the playoffs so you don't believe in them no i mean like they laid an egg the last week of the season i don't know they're just so frustrating um 
I'm going to say the Buffalo Bills ride the emotion of everything that they've been through. I know it's they barely got through Miami on the <laughs> weekend, but I think the Bills are winning the Super Bowl. And I'm going to say they beat the Eagles. You heard it here first, people. Buffalo versus Philadelphia in the Super Bowl, according to one Chris Johnston. Thank you for going. Thank you for the questions. Thank you, CJ, for uh, always being a great sport with the questions. And uh, as always, uh, thank you for, uh, you know, just being you and uh, going through another edition of the Chris Johnston show. We've made it through another Monday edition. We did. And I didn't even fly to Tampa. We'll see if I regret that. We'll see if I regret that. I'm telling you, we're gonna I'm gonna be watching that Monday night football game now. And if it's a very good game, like if we're talking like a classic, you're gonna you're gonna know about it. Like Tom throws like five TDs for the Bucks, but still somehow the, the Cowboys prevail in overtime. Man. Man, could you imagine a year where like the Cowboys do well and like the Leafs do well? Like there are people who exist in that Venn diagram of like Cowboys and Leafs fans, and like if they see playoff success in the same year. They might like spontaneously combust. I mean, I it's too soon to know what's going to happen in the NHL. I think like we still have half a season. We we do. We absolutely do. Does that? I mean, mean I'm pretty gonna... confident in saying Boston's going to have the best regular season. But then, like, who knows what happens in the playoffs? Right? It's it's a crazy sport. Like, quite often, teams that have had monster regular seasons lose in round one. I'm not predict, and, and I should be very clear. I'm not predicting that for Boston. Like I, I just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, that's that's part of what makes the Stanley Cup playoffs so compelling. Um, the NFL, I think, is a little, tends to be a little more predictable. Is that fair? Like I think the best team generally wins in the NFL. Yeah. Um, you might get a surprise team. Like I mean, the Bengals. I don't think anyone expected them to make the Super Bowl last year, but the Rams with the with the way they went all in, like that made sense. Right. I mean, I probably should have picked KC to win Super Bowl. I don't know. No, I think the Bills was a was a good move because they're they've been a Super Bowl favorite like all year. Yeah, and I had Josh Allen on on my fantasy team. He helped win me a championship, and so I he's he's my ride or die if the Cowboys can't have success. So always cheering for him. Seems like a great dude. Yeah, uh, we'll have to wait and see with that. But uh, we'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. Uh, we will have stick taps then and other fun stuff. For CJ, I'm Julian, saying so long. Enjoy your Monday. Go Cowboys. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter, at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie, at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.